This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. They've asked me to speak tonight, and after last time I spoke, I don't entirely know why, but they did, so we're going to make the best of it. Uh, It was funny, I was thinking about it, uh, Pastor Dave was up there making silly comments during the uh, testimonies, and I was thinking to myself, usually I'm the one up there playing guitar and making silly comments, and he's out here being spiritual. I was, I was <laughs> thought something was wrong with that picture, but hey, oh hey, hey, Pastor Dave. Oh yeah, he's here. <laughs> but anyways, anyways, uh, uh, Pastor Dave actually taught us a little bit about prayer this morning, so I'm gonna. Uh, uh, without, uh, you know, I did, obviously didn't see his notes ahead of time, but I'm going to teach a little bit more on prayer tonight. And so, uh, my title actually tonight, uh, if you're taking notes, is, uh, don't let your wife hinder your prayers. <laughs> don't let your wife hinder your prayers. And like I said, I don't know why they keep asking me to teach, because this is the kind of stuff I come up with. But, <laughs> Let me explain that. Let me explain that a little bit. Uh, this week, uh, we, I was reading through the congregational scripture reading. Does, who all does, uh, reads along with the scripture reading? We hand out... Amen, amen. If you don't, you really should. You, you can find it on our Facebook page, on our website, uh, or you can. they have like an actual printout of it. Every day, we, as a congregation, we go through and we read the same scriptures together. And it's kind of nice, because then uh, when, we, when we're discussing, we can kind of all talk about the same thing a lot of times. But uh, one of the scriptures that was re- I was reading this month was First uh, Peter three seven, and uh, I won't have him put, put it up quite yet. But it is, I'll, I'll read it real quick. It says, "In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered." <laughs> So, the scripture tells us as men that if we're not kind and loving to our wives, it can literally hinder our prayers from working. So, reading that scripture, it made me start thinking about uh, what other kind of things might hinder our prayers. Because how many of us have maybe ever had a prayer that just went unanswered? I know I probably have in the past. Um, And our natural tendency a lot of times uh, is to maybe think that, you know, well, my prayer didn't get answered, so prayer just must not work. Or maybe for some reason God has it out for me and he's decided not to answer my prayer. But rather than taking one of those approaches, I think that instead we should look at ourselves next time our prayer isn't answered. Because the Bible says in multiple places that God cannot change. He, God does not and cannot change so if he's not going to change, that means that the only variable in unanswered prayer is us as individuals. So if he's not going to change, that leaves us. So uh, I'm going to talk tonight about uh, things that can hinder our prayers from working. Uh, now, two quick. These ones hopefully are obvious. These aren't my main points, but uh, the first one, reason that your prayer maybe wouldn't get answered that. Uh, is not my main point. It's just like a sub point, I guess. Uh, is maybe you uh, aren't actually praying. I was, uh, that, I was like, well, I should probably mention that. If you aren't actually praying, then that would be your answer right there. 
And not only that, you need to make sure that you're praying out loud. Because you can't just think your prayers. If you don't verbalize your prayers, then it's not a real prayer. We're not like Buddhists where we sit there and meditate and just think about it. You have to verbalize your prayers. If you're not praying out loud, then obviously your prayer is not going to be answered. And the second thing is uh, you have to make sure that there's no blaring obvious sins in your life. You know, uh, if you go out every weekend and find someone that you can murder and hit up the convenience store, God's probably and then you're praying, you know, God, help this next store that I robbed to just have extra money in the till. Amen. Amen. I don't think God's going to answer that prayer. <laughs> Pastor, see, see, Pastor Dave's up here making stupid comments now, trying. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> those ones I thought I should speak. Those ones are two to me no-brainers. If you're not living for God and if you're not actually praying, then obviously your prayers aren't going to be answered. But I wanted to dig tonight a little bit deeper than that. So uh, let me pray for us real quick. Pray for us to get myself back focused. So let's bow our heads. Father God, in Jesus' name, as I take these next few minutes to speak your word, I just ask that your uh, Holy Spirit would speak through me, Lord, and that uh, your word would come forth. Because like the scripture says, that your word doesn't return void. It always accomplishes everything that you want it to accomplish. So uh, in spite of the person delivering it, I ask that, that your Holy Spirit would speak tonight, Lord, and that people's lives would be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, if your prayers aren't being answered there's just a few questions I think we should start by asking ourselves. And the first one, this is my first uh, real point, I guess. You should ask yourself, do I love? That, uh, if your prayers aren't being answered, that's the very first thing you need to check out. Let's flip over uh, to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6. I'm going to come up here and get my water eye. My wife usually makes me get a stool to put my water on, but I forgot to. So we'll leave that right there. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6. All right. Here are a couple pages flipping, but we'll, we'll get started because I got... Kind of a lot to cover. Uh, it says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. So that means that uh, when you're a Christian, it's not these outside works that you do that, that matter. The thing that does matter, though, is faith working through love. Faith working through love. So according to this scripture... Love is what makes our faith work. Our faith works through love. In order for your faith to work, you're required to have love. So if your prayers aren't being answered, the first thing you should check and first thing you should ask yourself is, am I loving others the way that I should love them? And taking it a step further, that scripture that I opened up with, let's actually flip there real quick so we can see it with our own eyes. It's on the screen, I think, but you can flip there as well. 1 Peter 3, 7. This is the whole scripture that got me uh, thinking, thinking on this topic. And I'm going to read this one out of the New Living Translation because it's easier to understand, I think. Uh, it says, <laughs> it says, 
In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. Now, this scripture obviously is addressed to husbands, but if we combine it with the entirety of the Bible and with that Galatians 5-6 we just read, I think that this equally applies to wives as just as it much as it does husbands. If you're a wife who's being mean to your husband all the time, uh, I don't think you can expect for your prayers to be answered because your faith works by love, whether you're a husband, wife, single, whatever your status in life, you still have to have love in order for your faith and for your prayers to be work, to, to be answered. And uh, to go even a step further, I think that if your prayers aren't being answered, I think you should look specifically at how you're treating your own family. Because, you know, it's easy to be nice sometimes maybe to your boss at work or something because they sign your paycheck and... If you smart off to them, well, then you will be, you'll be out of a job or whatever. But your, your kids, your, your brothers, your sisters, your husband, your wife that you're with every day, sometimes it's a little harder to love them like we should. But you have to really be careful that you're loving your family like you should. Uh, an example that Pastor gives a lot of times is, uh, in the book of, of, uh, Acts, whenever, uh, Paul, or Jesus appeared to Paul, because, uh, you know, Paul had been, Saul at this point had been going around and persecuting all of the Christians around. Uh, he'd been putting as many Christians as he could in prison and, and, uh, having them beaten and just all these terrible things. And finally, Jesus had had enough of it and he appears to Saul and he said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, at this point, Jesus has already gone up into heaven. So, Saul maybe is thinking to himself, well, how am I persecuting? I can't persecute you. You're up in heaven. Uh, you're not even here physically on, on earth with me. But Jesus said that when, when Saul was persecuting these Christians, he was really persecuting Jesus. So we can in- infer from this scripture that when you are mean to other Christians, it's the same as you being mean to Jesus. <laughs> I think it, it's ironic, you know, when we don't love other Christians the way we should because Jesus said that of all the different ways we could prove that we're disciples, the one way that we could show, and you know, Pastor Dave's been teaching a lot about disciples, the number one way we can prove to the world that we're Jesus' disciples is by how much we love other disciples, other Christians. So above all, the ones we should be loving are those that are closest to us. So if your prayers aren't being answered, the first thing you really need to look at and check is your love walk. Make sure you're walking in love. Pastor's got a... He's throwing me off. He's got a crazy look up there. I never know if I'm saying something crazy or not. Just kidding. What? See, my my brother's up here poking fun at my own dad. Uh, Here we go, here we go. The next thing that goes along... uh, with walking in love, the next thing you can check, should check if you're walking in love goes hand in hand uh, is you need to ask yourself, do I forgive? Let's flip over to uh, Mark chapter 11. 
Mark chapter 11, one of our favorite scriptures at, at High Desert Word Center. Mark chapter 11, and uh, we'll flip down to verse 22. And uh, I'm going to read it in the NLT, although most of us can probably quote it by heart uh, in the King James. It says, Then Jesus said to the disciples, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. And most of the time when we read this passage, we get so excited about those last couple verses that we sometimes stop reading there and forget to go on. We're just like, you know what? All I have to do is, is believe and I receive and it's going to be But Jesus follows it up with verse 25, which kind of puts another contingency on that. It says, But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. It says that we have to forgive when we pray so that Father God can forgive our sins. Unforgiveness can not only cause our prayers to go uh, to go unanswered, but it can cause uh, it can limit God's ability to forgive us. Because if we don't forgive, it says that that God can't forgive us as well. In the same way that God has forgiven us, He expects us to forgive others. I was telling I was uh, Julie and I were talking to a, someone recently, and we were telling them that you know. Uh, when there, when there is a couple holding grudges against each other or whatever, they need to think back when they first got saved, how much God forgave them of. You can't uh, expect God to forgive you all this, but then hold grudges against your husband, your wife, whoever, because it limits uh, how much God can, can forgive you. Uh, and something interesting as I was looking up this topic of unforgiveness is that uh, in medical books, unforgiveness can actually be classified as a disease. Uh, Listen to this real quick. It says, according to Dr. Stephen Standiford, chief of surgery at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America, refusing to forgive makes people sick and keeps them that way. Unforgiveness makes people sick and keeps them that way. Uh, This this uh, another doctor, Dr. Michael Berry, um, he said of all cancer patients, 61 percent have forgiveness issues. And of those, more than half are severe. That's by uh, Dr. Michael Berry. He wrote uh, this book called The Forgiveness Project. And it says, harboring these negative emotions, this anger, hatred, all of that, creates a state of chronic anxiety. And chronic anxiety very predictably produces excess adrenaline and cortisol, which deplete the production of natural killer cells, which is your body's foot soldier in the fight against cancer. So when you when you don't forgive others, it limits how much God can forgive you, but it also can make you physically sick. 
which I thought that was just really crazy. Uh, I think Pastor Dave or someone may have shared this example recently, but uh, back in the day, my, my parents, uh, before they had all of us 27 kids, and they had all this time on their hands, they would just, in their free time, you know, like Pastor Dave talks about, you know, we need to spend more time uh, being disciples, discipling others. And their free time, instead of watching TV, they would just drive around. Sometimes they'd go to emergency rooms and just pray for people. Sometimes they would just go and knock on random people's doors and ask if they could for pray, could pray for people. Uh, which we could probably use more of that nowadays, but uh, we're getting there. We're becoming better disciples. But I remember, they and they tell all of these miraculous stories of knocking on people's doors and praying for them. But one that always sticks out to me uh, is that they went to pray for this woman who was sick. And uh, I may get some of the details wrong, but I, I got the basic gist of it. They went to pray for this woman. And no matter what they were praying, this woman just wasn't being healed. So finally, the Holy Spirit revealed to my mom that this woman had a severe case of unforgiveness. And so um, mom said, you know what? I, I'm sensing that you've got some unforgiveness in your life. And so the woman said, yeah, you know what? As a matter of fact, I do. Uh, I can never forgive my daughter-in-law because she murdered my son. That, that would be really hard. Having, you know, your son murdered by a woman and then, but God still expects us to forgive. And so, um, Pastor and Mrs. Pastor, they weren't Pastor and Mrs. Pastor at the time, but they, they prayed with this woman and with prayer and help for the Holy Spirit, this woman finally learned to forgive and she received her healing, right? She received her healing from what, what did she have? She was blind, right? And she received her sight once she forgave this woman. Which is crazy. That's a, that's a crazy story. But anyways, you know, those are the first two things you need to check. Make sure you're walking in love and make sure you're walking in forgiveness. The next thing I think we need to check, and this one may not be as obvious, but it's something important to check, is you need to ask yourself, do I know the will of God? Do I really know what God's will is? Let's flip over real quick to 1 John chapter 5. And we're going to see uh, if we can answer this question. Do I know the will of God? And flip down, uh, once you're in chapter 5, flip down to verse 14. And it says... Now, this is the confidence that we have in him. Him meaning God. It says that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So the big secret to getting God to hear you is to ask according to his will. And I think this is where a lot of Christians get really confused because they think that the will of God is some divine mystic secret that, you know, if if I'm like Jesus and I fast in the wilderness for 40 days, maybe, just maybe, he'll give me a glimpse of his will. But I'm going to tell you, it's a lot simpler than that. 
The will of God is simply the Word of God. The will of God is the Word of God. Uh, I don't get to, to pray for people up here very often because I'm usually up there uh, playing the keyboard or whatever, but you'll notice that if you ever come to me and ask for prayer, the first thing I'm going to ask you is what scriptures you're praying on or meditating on that relates specifically to your situation. Because if you can't articulate to me the scriptures that relate specifically to your situation, then how can you know if it's the will of God? If you don't even know what his word says on that particular subject. But uh, I'll give you a couple of quick hints on the will of God. Uh, John 10.10 is one that this is one we should all know by heart if you've come here for more than a few months. Uh, And it says, the thief, meaning the devil, his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose, meaning Jesus, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So if you want to know the will of God, you need to ask yourself, if this prayer was answered, would it lead to uh, a stealing, death, and destruction? Or would it lead to a rich and satisfying life? If it leads to a rich and satisfying life, there's a good chance that that that, that prayer, that that request is in the will of God. Another one kind of along the same lines is uh, uh, 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. And we, we don't have to turn there because I've got a bunch of scriptures. But it says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. So according to this scripture, God's will is that above all things, we would prosper and be in health directly in proportion to our spiritual health. So this is, uh, as you're spiritually healthy, you should be equally physically healthy, prosperous, Above, uh, doing good above all things in proportion to your spiritual health. But if you can find in the Word what you're praying for, then you can know for certain that you're praying in the will of God. It's important that we find these scriptures. Uh, and then, uh, kind of how points one and two went together, points three and four kind of go together. Uh, If you're certain that you know the will of God, you need to ask yourself, in that case, do I pray in faith? When I'm praying, am I praying in faith? Let's flip over to uh, to James chapter 5. I think Pastor Dave uh, maybe alluded to this one this morning as well. I think he probably snuck in and stole my notes before he wrote his message. He did, he did, he did. I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) James chapter 5 so uh, even though you heard it this morning it's good to hear it again let's read it again it says uh, James chapter 5 verse 13 it says is anyone among you suffering let him pray is anyone cheerful let him sing psalms is anyone among you sick Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. 
And here it is in verse 15. It says, and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. So this scripture, it doesn't say the prayer of faith might heal the sick. It says without any doubt that the prayer offered in faith will completely heal the sick. It, It leaves no room for doubt. No room for doubt in this prayer. In fact, this is the one that Pastor's been standing on, you know, as he's gone through uh, some things. And it's really, you can see the the power of God working in his life. Um, So what is faith? Hebrews uh, 11.1 tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Uh, Another translation that Pastor reads a lot tells us that faith is being confident of what we hope for and completely convinced of what we do not see. So when you pray, are you confident in what you're hoping for? Are you confident? Are you convinced, even if you can't see it, are you convinced that it's going to happen? Yeah, there's no room for doubt here. Uh, Like we read in uh, Mark 11 earlier, it says, For I say unto you, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says. This verse is completely affirmative. It leaves no question. There's no ifs, ands, or buts in this scripture. You've got to be completely confident. Um, as I was going over my notes, I was uh, thinking of Another uh, scripture that I don't think they have on their screen, but I want to read it to us. Uh, a scripture, an exa- another example of Jesus using his faith. And I think hopefully I can bring something a little bit different out of that. Uh, and it's Luke chapter eight. Let's flip over there, actually, since I didn't get, I didn't put this one on the screen. Luke chapter eight. And this is the story of Jesus calming the stormy uh, sea. I don't know why I get so thirsty when I'm up here talking. (laughs) Luke chapter 8. And then let's flip down to verse uh, 22. And it says, One day Jesus said to his disciples, "Let's, Let's cross to the other side of this lake. So they got into a boat and started out. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was filling with water and they were in real danger. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the the raging waves. And suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. Then he asked them, where is your faith? The disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man, they asked each other. 
when he gives command, even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, I want to point something out that maybe you don't always notice when you've read this passage in the past. It starts off by Jesus confidently declaring, let's go to the other side of the lake. He doesn't say, hey, let's, uh, let's see if we can make it to the other side of this lake. Let's, uh, hopefully there's no storms that mess us up. He just says, hey, let's go to the other side of the lake. And he goes and lays down and takes a nap. He was completely confident and convinced they were going to make it to the other side of the lake. He just was taking a nap and he was confident even though the circumstances around him said everything but you're going to make it to the other side of the lake. He was so confident that even though circumstances around him were thrashing the boat and everybody else was scared witless, it didn't even wake him up from his nap. The disciples had to go and physically wake him up. It wasn't the storm that woke him up. It was the disciples freaking out that woke him up. But this is how we need to be when we, when we have our faith, when we pray. We need to be completely confident in our prayers, no matter what the circumstances around us look like. When you pray and ask God for something, even if it looks crazy, go down and lay down take a nap. That's what Jesus did. It's, it's, it, uh, it doesn't look like he was saying a prayer, but he was just, uh, that Mark 11.23 says, when you speak. It doesn't say necessarily that when you pray. It says, when you speak. And so he spoke confidently. We're going to the other side of the lake. And that was that. A lot of times, uh, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> just, yeah. Uh, Julie and I have to fly a lot of times. Um, unfortunately, we have to fly to Texas a lot of times. I'm just kidding. Texas is great, I'm sure. That's a good, Julie's family lives in Texas, so most of the time when we fly, we're flying to Texas to see her family, but um, usually when we first get on the plane, you know, instead of freaking out or praying, I'm like, all right, that's it, we're going to Texas, let's go, we're going to make it, and then that's it, and, and up until we had two kids that want to climb around and run around the plane, I would usually fall asleep as soon as I said that. Now, most of my fight is occupied with keeping my son from kicking the tray table of the person in front of him. Yeah, I don't know why. They, that's their favorite thing is to kick the tray table. And, and I'm that person that people are like, oh. I'm sitting in front of the guy with two kids. But I do my best. I do my best. And uh, even even uh, even if there's turbulence, even if the plane's going crazy, I'm just completely confident that we're going to make it because I'm following the example that Jesus gave us. He said, we're going to make it to the other side. That's that. You have to be completely confident and completely convinced. And the last thing I want to want to say tonight is uh, if you've checked off all of those questions, one through four, we have one last question we have to ask ourselves if our prayers aren't being answered. And that's, do I give up? You need to ask yourself if you give up. Let's flip over to Galatians chapter six. Galatians chapter 6. It's so stinking thirsty up here. I know, I need... Or I should have brought my, my little stool so I don't have to walk up there every time I want want some water. Or I should just have Julie sit beside me and just... Just kidding. Just kidding. Amen. Thank you, brother. Galatians chapter 6. And verse 9, it says, 
So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. If we don't give up. According to this scripture, we're promised that we will receive our harvest of blessing on one condition. That one condition is that we don't give up. You will receive that harvest, that blessing, what you've been planning for, if you don't give up. Uh, As I was studying for this message, I read an interesting story from the Old Testament, actually. Um, uh, And it's written uh, from from the prophet Daniel. He'd been having uh, a very intense session of fasting and prayer. He'd been praying for three solid weeks, asking the Lord for wisdom and understanding. So for three weeks, Daniel is just going at it hardcore, praying and asking the Lord for the answer to some of these prayers. And let's flip over there, actually, to uh, to Daniel chapter 10. And let's pick it up uh, right uh, towards the end of his prayer, 21-day prayer and fasting session. Daniel uh, chapter 10. Pastor's giving me the stink eye. I better make sure I wrote that down right. Daniel chapter 10. I'm going to flip over there. Just what it's. I have it correct? All right. Well, in that case. <laughs> won't be needing this anymore. Just kidding. <laughs> Daniel uh, chapter 10. And so um, let's look down at verse uh, number 12. And uh, Daniel's in the middle of praying. And this angel appears to Daniel and he says, Don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the very first day that you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. And I, the angel, have come in answer to your prayer. But, uh, verse 13 For 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. So this scripture is kind of weird, but what happened is the very first day that Daniel prayed, his prayer went up to heaven. God heard him, and he sends this angel to answer his prayer. But this demon tries to block the angel from getting the uh, uh, getting the answer to Daniel. And so this angel takes 21 days fighting off this uh, this thing, and actually he has to call for backup from another angel to get past this, uh, this demon prince of Persia. And finally, after 21 days, his answer reaches Daniel. But imagine that all of this time praying... After two days, ten days, twenty days, Daniel's like, well, my prayer hasn't been answered, and he gives up. He just completely gives up. Do you think he would have still received the answer to his prayer? I don't. If he had given up and just gone back to his daily life and not, you know, not seeking God like he should, 
his prayer wouldn't have been answered. So we need to make sure that we are not giving up. Um, as many of you know about my wife and myself, we always teach the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University class. And we just uh, we have a personal conviction that we never finance anything ever. Uh, if we can't pay cash for it, we've just decided that we don't need it. And so we'll just wait uh, until we've saved up, or, or maybe we'll just decide, well, maybe we didn't need that in the first place. But imagine that her and I are believing God for a new vehicle, which we uh, actually recently did. Um, but what if after a few weeks of praying and believing God for a vehicle, we get impatient and we decide, oh, you know what, we're just going to go out and take out a car loan and, and go get one. For us personally, at this point, I would consider that to be giving up. But not only are we giving up, we're kind of, since it's something that her and I believe strongly, we're kind of saying, well, maybe God can't provide, so we're going to just provide for ourselves by taking out this loan. But what if God had some blessing lined up for us? Maybe that blessing is going to someone across the street who hasn't given up. Not saying that it's wrong for everybody to take out car loans, although if you come through FPU, you will come away with the impression that it's wrong for everybody to take out car loans. But for me and Julie specifically, it's something that we strongly hold personally, and we do not take out car loans. So if we were to go out and do that, it would be wrong for us, and I think it would hinder God blessing us. In fact, uh, we recently were, uh, within the last year or so, able to get a car, and we were able to find a good used car that runs great for us uh, for uh, a good price that we paid cash for on Craigslist. So it was, uh, it is possible to pay cash for cars. In fact, uh, this car was so perfect for us. We bought it from a family who had, uh, at the time, they had um, two kids and they were moving on to the third kid, so they needed a bigger car. And they had bought it from someone who had two kids and needed, uh, was having a third and needed a bigger car. Uh, and so, uh, it would work perfect for us because we had one kid and we were getting ready to have Jonas to two. And now, uh, pray for us, we're probably going to be praying for a bigger car now because we have two kids and are moving on to number three. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but that, that scripture, that uh, Galatians 6, 9, it tells us that we will receive our harvest of blessing as long as we do not give up. As long as we don't give up. So uh, as I get ready to close here, just make sure that we're always asking ourselves, when you pray, you need to ask yourself, am I walking in love? Am I walking in forgiveness? Do I know for sure the will of God, the word of God on this situation? Do I pray in faith? As long as you can answer those four, your prayers will confidently be answered as long as you don't give up. You cannot give up. And I think that's all I have for tonight. If you want, we can all stand up together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org. 